enormous box, a box of chocolates Would I know to stay away? What's that? An enormous box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you Good evening, it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Mike, how you doing? Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday evening at 6.30. And there's a store in town, in Ann Arbor, that's changing its name. And why is it doing that? Well, we'll find out in just a moment. But first of all, just to let you know, today's program is brought to you by the number 10. Page 10, Gannett. Once upon a time there were ten little cannibals swinging on a vine. 10, Derive. One of those stories from which we still derive pleasure is that of Pandora and the mysterious box. Number ten. Number ten. Number ten. Number ten. Number ten. Ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. Exactly. Yes. So today's program is brought to you by the number ten. I don't know what that gannet bird is, but. I'm scared of it now. But moving right along from that, there is a store in Ann Arbor that, until very recently, in fact, until today, was called the Big Ten Party Store. But it's no longer called the Big Ten Party Store. And it is a question as to why stores decide to change their names, change what they carry, or keep what they carry, maybe get bigger, get smaller, move locations. And so I was very interested to find out that they were changing their name. Today, their new name is Morgan and York. In fact, the full name I have on a business card, Morgan and York Fine Wines and Specialty Foods. That's a very different name from the Big Ten Party Store, as a matter of fact. But there are reasons for that. And we're going to take a moment now to listen to a conversation that I had with Matthew Morgan, who is one of the owners of the store. I spoke to him the other day and asked him why, uh, why the changes. And I think there are some very interesting issues that stores have to deal with and people who handle food and deal with food have to deal with. So... Without further ado. The original name of the, the store when it was founded in 1940 was Big Ten Market. Uh, when the Towners bought it in 1953, they changed it to Big Ten Party Store. And, uh, you know, we, we've tried working with that name in the four years we've been here, and the, the problem that we've had with it is uh, that uh, because of all the changes we made to the store, you know, we're carrying a lot more handmade products and a lot less sort of, uh, I guess you might say, commodity kind of party products, paper goods, uh, hot sauces, the sort of things that we, uh, we used to have. We don't have homebrew supplies anymore. Instead, we're really focused on uh, small production wines and, and cheeses. Um, 
because of, because of all those changes, uh, we we felt like the name really didn't represent what we did, and it made us sound a little bit, especially to folks who are new to town, made us sound like a, a campus convenience store, which really uh, doesn't do justice to the the folks who work here and the level of you know professionalism and and passion for food and wine they have. So. Um, you know, we, we had considered making the change when we bought the business, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's taken us a while to get things uh, to where we want them to be in terms of the products and the service and, and that kind of thing. So I feel like it's the right time now. What are some of the changes you've made in the last four years? The last four years? Well, um, you know, our, our wine selection, for example, wine's the biggest part of what we do. Uh, was was pretty uh, standard commodity wine. Uh, it, these days, you can find the same sorts of wines in any decently stocked grocery store or in uh, Costco or Sam's Club. Uh, and uh, you know, we're a we're a small independent business, and what we had wanted to be able to do was um, represent smaller independent producers. And I guess I sort of think of that as, in a way, it's sort of like ecology. It's an ecological niche. Uh, we can't uh, we can't sell things at 10% above cost like Sam's Club can, uh, and we don't want to run a store which uh, which is uh, in which people have to serve themselves, um, and there's no one to help you or talk to about the product. Uh, it really really wasn't what we wanted to do. The smaller producers can't supply Sam's Club, Costco, uh, the grocery stores, and uh, and we can't compete with them on the commodity products. So it's it's a better fit. The smaller producers need us. We need them. Uh, you know, the customers need someone in, to help them find these interesting products and, and things that are good value for money and uh, things that have, you know, exceptional, unique character at, uh, at you know, be it a... $6 bottle of wine or a $60 bottle of wine. And the same thing's true with the cheeses. That that would be the other thing that's really changed is a perishable food. When I got here four years ago, uh, we had uh, maybe 20, 30 kinds of block cheddars that were all factory produced. I mean, they essentially are machine-made cheeses made uh, by huge companies. They're basically craft cheese in a different package. And, um, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of meats that were the deli meats were injected with water and all sorts of nasty chemicals. And, uh, you know, those those are things that, um, you know, that people don't need someone to hold their hand through buying those things. What they need is the cheapest price, uh, and, uh, you know, they need to be able to buy toilet paper and laundry detergent uh, at the same time. And, and, again, that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to represent the, the smaller traditional producers, the things with more flavor and unique flavor and uh, and really uh, provide an outlet for those things because uh, they're products we believe in. When we started here we had over 30 part-time employees and now we're about half that size but everybody except one or two people are, they're all full-time and so we provide more meaningful employment for people. You find people who really want to be in this industry because they love food and they love serving people. Well, I'm standing at the fish counter here. You can still get the Bismarck herring. Oh, sorry, marinated Bismarck herring. We have the uh, herring fillets in mustard sauce a la Dijon. If you've just been to see Mamma Mia in Detroit, I don't know if they're still playing, but you can still get the ABBA brand smoked herring pate. 
and the Abba Swedish herring. And taramasalata, the Greek-style caviar salad. You can get roll mops. I'm not sure what a roll mop is. Looks like herring is the first ingredient. It's roll mops and uh, all kinds of stuff. Caviar from lumpfish. It's all here. Also notice there's a lot more room. Yes, there's more room. Uh, we used to have uh, what uh, my partner Tommy uh, liked to refer to as the food museum going on here. We had a collection of five or six hundred hot sauces, and we sold about two or three bottles of hot sauce a week. You know, uh, We had the homebrew supplies, which took up uh, probably a full third of this room, and we sold about $100 worth of those a week. And, you know, we really felt like... Um, the store was interesting to people almost more as a curiosity than as a place to buy things. And, uh, you know, we, I appreciate that, uh, and, you know, so did, did Tommy, but, um, you know, we really needed to get it back to the point where uh, we were buying things and selling things that we believed in and uh, that you couldn't find just anywhere. So. And, uh, and I've noticed... There's not, there's no Vegemite here anymore, but oh, there should be Vegemite. That's temporary. Yeah, Vegemite and Marmite. We stock both of those usually. Oh, okay. So that's a, uh, that's a, uh, uh, sort of a comfort food uh, type thing. Even though it is produced by Kraft, who I mentioned their block cheeses earlier, uh, that's that's something that a lot of our customers, particularly if they're from Europe or Australia, uh, really, really like to see. So. And uh, I've also noticed you still have some of the uh, Nordic uh, fish products and stuff. We do, yeah. We have, um, you know, when we when we got here, there were a lot of Northern European specialties. Um, the reality of the situation was, like I told you, it was about 80 or 90% food museum and then 10 or 20% things that people were actually buying. And uh, the, um, you know, what we've tried to do is keep those things... Uh, for people when they actually are, are things that people are interested in buying. Uh, and But what we've also tried to do is adapt to the way the marketplace has changed, in both from the supply side and from the customer side. Uh, people are more sophisticated, even if they haven't done a lot of traveling, about international foods. And... Um, and uh, as a retailer, it's easier for us to get a wider array of things. So uh, things are hot and cold. You know, here 20 years ago, um, the, the biggest selling item in the wine department was German Riesling. Uh, now it's one of our smallest categories. We still carry it. But uh, what we've done is scale it back in order to reflect uh, what the customers want. So. So probably a silly question, but has the movie Sideways had any effect on your wine selling? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's actually it's been kind of fun because people will come in asking for Pinot Noir, and uh, you can find them uh, a variety labeled American Pinot Noir or one from Australia. But you also can show them French Burgundy, which is of course the granddaddy of Pinot Noir. And uh, you know it's it's really fun to see people come in because of a pop culture experience they had and really tap into these uh, these old uh, you know traditions of, of these products that are really tied culturally uh, to to the French people for example and, and to the land where they're produced and it's it's a cool thing because it makes you feel 
I guess in a little little way like you're you're part of history and not uh, not just uh, doing business, you know. So. Hi there, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. This is Mike, and what you've been hearing is my chat with Matt Morgan of Morgan & York. Morgan & York is the new name for the Big Ten Party Store. Same store, same owners. Matt Morgan and Tom York are the owners, and they've decided to change the name for some of the reasons you've heard just there. The change is official today, and they're supposed to get new signs for the new name in the next week or so. And, uh... You're listening to music right now by the Butterfat Trio, which, appropriately enough, is food. You can hear the Butterfat. It's it's a particularly rich blend. Yeah. Anyway, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food. We're going to go right now back into our discussion with Matt Morgan of Morgan & York, the store formerly known as the Big Ten Party Store. Do you have a favorite, uh, unique, uh, small crafted food and also a favorite uh, boxed food, if so speak? Gosh, favorite boxed food. Well, you know, I guess let me start with the boxed food. We have this, uh, we have this really amazing um, bean dish that's called uh, uh, favadas asturianas. It comes from Asturias in northern Spain, and it's made with a special type of fava bean that just grows there. If people have been, this this dish is not well known um, unless you're really into Spanish food, but uh, people who know French food at all are f- probably familiar with cassoulet. It's a, like a white bean dish with the meat and uh, and tomato-based sauce, and uh, it's a similar sort of a dish, but uh, that's really amazing stuff. You know, it's it's not inexpensive. Uh, we airship it over. It's about $15 for a can, but... You know, that's, it's, you know, dinner for two, so really nice stuff. You know, as far as the handcrafted foods, um, really very excited about the uh, about the Spanish cheeses that Bill's bringing in. They're all uh, artisan cheeses. Most of them are made with raw milk. Uh, there are some restrictions on what we can get, but uh, the aged cheeses can still be made with raw milk, and uh, just amazing flavors, great complexity, so... And raw milk, there are issues you have to think about that way? Well, raw milk, uh, back in the 50s, the United States government uh, instituted regulations that prohibited the sale or import of raw milk cheeses that are less than 60 days old. The thinking was that 60 days of aging would lower the moisture and increase the acidity in the cheese enough that um, any potential pathogens, uh, one that they're really concerned about is listeria. Um, any potential pathogens would die out because what happens over time is the lactose in the cheese gets consumed by the lactic acid and also the decreasing moisture and increasing acidity make it really inhospitable for bacteria to grow. 
there was a time in the United States, and you know that as recently as five years ago, when the FDA really didn't enforce those laws, and you were able to import raw milk camembert or brie from France, uh, you know, or other things from from other countries, but uh, particularly post 9/11. Import uh, of those things has become basically impossible. You, you might be able to carry one in in your suitcase, but we can't bring them in on a commercial basis anymore. So, yeah, the, as far as I guess maybe there's a second part to your question I didn't answer. As far as raw milk uh, and um, safety or health issues, um, in the context of cheese making, it's pretty well documented that raw milk is no more risky and in some cases safer than pasteurized milk. And the reason is that, that raw milk tends to have natural bacteria in it that uh, displace the, uh, the pathogens from ever getting a foothold in the cheese. Raw milk cheeses have something of a bad rap, but what it is is a sort of a transfer from raw milk, not raw milk cheese. So, uh, because raw milk uh, has a very short shelf life, but any decent cheesemaker will tell you that it's nearly impossible to make a traditional cheese out of contaminated milk. And uh, so, if, if the raw milk has uh, unsafe bacteria in it, then what will happen is that the cheese will fail to form properly. So there will be no cheese. Yeah, it's it's really obvious. I mean, the cheeses will either uh, puff up like a balloon, or the curd won't set. So you really uh, never have anything that looks more like like more than say yogurt or cottage cheese. So yeah, it's it's pretty in a way it's sort of a self-screening process and that makes sense when you think about the the cultural tradition of making cheese. It's always been a way of preserving milk. You know, if you have a cow that gives uh you know several gallons of milk a day, how many gallons of milk can you drink? And you don't want to throw that away, right? So yeah. The, so in, anyway, those methods uh, have helped to safeguard the uh, people who eat the cheeses from uh, unsafe bacteria. I guess another question is the big sign out in the front. The big sign, yeah. Um, well, I guess the... Um, how can I put this in a way that is not going to get me in trouble with anybody? Um, the sign is out of ordinance for the city and has been for many decades. Uh, the city would very much like us to bring the uh, all the signage on this property into code. Uh, and what that means is that we have to remove that sign. It's too big? Uh, it is too big, and it's both the surface area and the height are too large. Surface area is too big for the linear feet of shop front. There's a ratio that they allow, and the height is too tall um, because of the proximity to the road. Basically, the closer you are to the road, the shorter the sign has to be. And there are real reasons for that. I mean, you can't, uh, it's difficult to see around the sign sometimes, particularly if there's snow piled up in the wintertime. I've had trouble getting out of the parking lot. I've been a little scared. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if I can give you a tip, uh, at least until the sign's gone, if you pull out on the other side, closer to stadium, it's easier. And probably the most important question, can you get candy? Yes, you can get Sugar Daddy's, Six Slits, Narbles, Zors, 
bottle caps, gumballs, squirrel nut zippers. That's very important. Squirrel nut zippers. Hmm. That gives me an idea. Squirrel nut zippers. Long boys, jumbo butter crunch, kookaburra, strawberry licorice, heartbreakers, oh baby pacifiers, cherry cordials, chocolate covered pineapple chunks, gummy bears, red hot cinnamon dollars, whorehound drops, mmm, rum cordials, merlot raisins, merlot. We were talking about wine. Martini olive chocolate almonds. Does not contain actual olive, but they're looking kind of martini olive-like, and they are chocolate almonds. Uh, yogurt raisins, lime rock candy, Karlsbader Oblaten, Zarte Waffelblatter gefüllt mit feiner Schokocreme. And if Lucas is listening in Montana, he speaks German, he will have to find me and slap me for that horrible, horrible German. And look, a pet tarantula gummy candy, Toblerone chocolates, gummy army guys. Yeah. Animal crackers. Yes, it's all here. happens to be the squirrel nut zippers doing that music there called hail what a coincidence the squirrel nut zippers wasn't i just talking about that in virtual li- in my virtual life yeah this is pandora's lunchbox this is mike this is a show about food in just about 10 minutes arwolf will help us to face the music but in the meantime we've been listening to matt morgan talking about the store that until today was called the Big Ten Party Store and is now called Morgan and York. And apparently the full name is Morgan and York Fine Wines and Specialty Foods, according to the card I have here. A store that was once the Big Ten Party Store, a friend of mine once, tongue-in-cheek, called Large Ten, why not, is now Morgan and York. And there were a lot of interesting points that uh, they made about the store. And the sign, the sign is going away, and that's that's a little bit sad for me, but things do change, and if it's out of ordinance, it's out of ordinance. The sign, if you haven't seen it, this, the big, huge 1950s-like sign in front of what was once the Big Ten Party Store, the shape could be described as a, a rhomboid trapezoidal parallelogram or something like that. I think that's the, the technical name for that. Uh, but uh, the sign, they don't have that shape listed in the Ann Arbor City Ordinance, so it's going to have to go. But uh, coming up now, let's. Uh, this this show is brought to you by the number ten. Did I did I mention that this show is brought to you by the number ten? I believe so. Just wanted to clarify. Ten. Number ten. Number ten. Number ten. Number ten. I'm feeling ten. kind of funny in my tummy number here. Ten. Number ten. Number ten. Number ten. Number ten. There were ten little cannibals swinging on a vine. One tried to pat a big wild cat, and then there were nine. One 
of the nine drank turpentine and then there were ten, 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 dead on the floor and seven was their fate. One went in politics, then there were only six. One took a dive, now five we see. One went to Singapore, then there were only four. One turned green, and then there were three. Pardon me for being rude, I was just here hypnotizing myself and forgetting all about you, and I'm sorry, that was extremely rude. I, uh, number ten, number ten, number, sorry, sorry, God, I'm just, I'm such a rude host. Anyway, um, so the Big Ten Party Store is now Morgan and York. They used to have brewing supplies, but they don't anymore, but they have some other stuff, lots of stuff. And you can get brewing supplies in Ann Arbor at a place that didn't used to have them. Uh, the Beer Depot over on, it's coming, William Street in Ann Arbor, close to Main Street, used to be a lot smaller. You used to be able to drive through, but now you can't. But now there's a lot more space to walk around. And they have home brew supplies. They've got hydrometers, test jars, sulfur strips, oak chips, that sounds like a tune, sulfur strips and oak chips. I, I think Bing Crosby. Yeah. Uh, carbonation drops, an ale pail. You can get homebrew kits for Pilsner, Irish Stout, Tarvieber, which is white beer in, in, from Belgium. And there was actually a sake homebrew kit at homebrew, at, uh, Beer Depot, sorry, when I went there most recently. There's a lot you can get in Ann Arbor. A lot of things changing. The, what are some other things that are changing? Quick thought. The New York Pizza Depot now has a new location. It's still on its original location on William, but now it's also on South U. And the American Spoon Store on Here Comes Liberty has been liberated. It is no longer there. So a lot of things changing in Ann Arbor. But just want to take a moment now. We're, we're just winding down in Pandora's lunchbox right here. And actually there's some rather troubling and sad news that I've heard, and I did want to share that with you. Um, I just heard that, well, just thinking about New Orleans, everybody's been thinking about New Orleans a lot, and sometimes you just have to get away from it and, and get away from thinking about it, but I just heard that Fats Domino is missing, and this is an article that was written by Roger Friedman. This, this appeared on the WCBN email list, and I want to read a part of this. One of the city's most important legends, Antoine Fats Domino, has not been heard from since Monday afternoon. Domino, 76, lives with his wife, Rosemary, and daughter in a three-story pink-roofed house in New Orleans' Ninth Ward, which is now underwater. On Monday afternoon, Domino told his manager, Al Embry of Nashville, that he would ride out the storm at home. Embry is now frantic. Calls have been made to Louisiana Governor Kathleen Blanco's office and to various police officials, and though there's lots of sympathetic response, the whereabouts of Domino and his family remain a mystery. Also not heard from by friends through last night, New Orleans Queen of Soul Irma Thomas, who was the original singer of what became the Rolling Stones hit, Time is on My Side. Similarly, friends are looking for Antoinette K. Doe, widow of New Orleans wild performer Ernie K. Doe, the Doe's have a famous night spot of their own on North Claiborne Avenue called the Mother-in-Law Lounge in honor of Ernie's immortal hit, The Mother-in-Law. Mother-in-Law, that is. So just to take a moment to hope for Fats Domino and to send lots of positive energy to find him, I'm going to play a little song about food that's by Fats Domino. This is Blueberry Hill. We hope that Fats Domino is up on a Blueberry Hill safe. Hope for the best. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for a half an hour. Thank you for letting me be that. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And Face the Music with Our Wolf is next.
Free Ann Arbor, WCBN-FM, 88.3 on the left 